Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Back to Doomsday Podcast. Today is November 28th, 2022. Time is 6.48 p.m. And we got a good bit of people in here tonight. We've got uh, Ryan, Jaywoo, Rifle, Richie, Ba, WV Pappy, um, Mike of Tampa Bay. My wife's in here as well. Raccoon 6 and Reverend Paul. We see the Jake's in here as well. Angela, So What If, Vet Tech and Prep, Tin Man, Kate, Shelby. Who else we got in here? We've got uh, Al. Tiff and Eric, welcome in everybody. Uh, if you guys are just getting here, we're covering um, kind of this youth of the nation uh, stuff with mental health, and we're going to keep going here. So I was able to pull up a pretty good depression rate by country thing for 2022, um, specifically depression. And I think it's just really comical, like somebody did this on purpose, man. Um, <laughs> they have all these countries listed on here with like little um, like a color indicator, the darker it is, the more depressed it is, but they made sure they put Russia here as the example. Um, they made sure that they did that. And I just found that to be quite comical. Of course, of course they did. But what's really funny is, uh, the U S and Russia are, are both colored the same in this. Um, and they're covering a lot. And just to get into a little bit of this, cause I don't want to get into it all. Cause the next article we got here is, is, might take a while to read. Um, so they're putting top 10 countries, and this is why I say like this, Ukraine, Russia shit, dude. Oh, my God. So um, the highest countries with the highest rates of depression, Ukraine sits at the top at 6.3, okay? And the United States sits right below it at 5.9, all right? Now, think think about that for a second. Um this country's at war they've had problems in that region forever and we're all just skating on easy street here in the u.s but our depression's right below ukraine's come on (laughs) and i mean this this is an updated article guys this is from 2022 this isn't an older article this is uh who is this from um this the source of this is world population review um and this is this is as twenty twenty two, so this will expire at the end of the year, I guess, when the new one comes out. But I just thought that was really interesting. Um, and then also to shed some light on this, the the number one country with the lowest rate of depression is the Solomon Islands, um, Papua New Guinea, and a few other places in here that have really really low depression. And I even question this because the Philippines, Nepal, um, have the lowest depression rates. And I don't Solomon know how islands have like 700,000 people across the entirety of it. Well, I guess that's true. It could be, it could have a lot to do with population. Um, 
But I just think it's funny they put they put Rush up here at the top, being at five point five zero percent prevalence and having seven million eight hundred and fifteen seven hundred fourteen thousand cases of uh, seven hundred fourteen cases of depression. Let me say that one more time: seven million eight hundred fifteen thousand seven hundred fourteen cases of depression in Russia. And I just love how they put that on top, um, probably so they could bypass the fact that. Because if you go back and you look at the data here, um, the United States is more depressed than Russia. Well, let's do the math, though. You, you said 7 million cases, basically, in Russia? Uh, clo- closer to 7.8 million. 7.8? Yeah. Over over 150 million people in Russia. So how how phenomenal of a scale is that? And then you're you're talking about a place like... Solomon Islands, who has like 700,000 people. If you scale that down, of course the number is going to be smaller. This right. is this is the way that things are skewed. And you could definitely look at that. And, and what you can do is you can say, if you really wanted to skew it, and you could be like, well, there's 8 million people depressed in Russia. It's like, okay, that, that percentage, would it makes sense in my mind. Well, how come there's only like 800 people with cases of depression in like Papua New Guinea? It's the exact same percentage. That's why. It's it's the exact same percentage, just smaller population. I I bet if we did the math across popul you know population density, it would probably be pretty similar. Right. Which I I know that they do these studies like per capita, but I don't know. I know that some of these are definitely skewed, and it's some guy probably sitting in an office somewhere trying to gather the statistics he can online to put this together. Um, More than likely, yeah. And apparently he favors Ukraine because he decided to make an example of Russia out of this. But I just thought it was really interesting, a really interesting article. The I might um, I might post a picture of this map, guys, um, somewhere for you guys to find it. Just so you could see this, because it is quite it, it is kind of quite alarming when you when you go back and you look at this, knowing that U.S. is one of the darkest colored in places on this map. But I mean, we know that there's depression here. We talk about it all the time. We see it all the time. We know there's a lot of mental health disorders. Um, you know, like I said, my son's going through it, so I see it firsthand all the time. Um, it's just it's not. I, I mean, we're not in a great spot by any shape or form at all. We're just we're not. Okay, so. I wanted to get into this. We're already getting a little bit out of our time frame here, but I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, we're going to be just fine. Okay, so this is an article wrote by Ali Wong from USA Today. It says, U.S. schools falling in fight against youth mental health crisis, uh, a new report finds. So there's no date on this article, but it's after the pandemic, um, whenever you want to consider after the pandemic was. but one thing that they found was mental health disorders became worse. Um, they were not as bad before the COVID-19 pandemic. So apparently the pandemic, yeah, yeah. We know that cyber bullying took an increase. Um, one thing that my wife and I were talking about during the pandemic was there's a lot of children that are in broken, broken homes, abusive parents, alcoholic parents, parents on drugs, and that's, you know, that break going to school X amount of hours per week was, was an escape from the bad places that they were in. Correct. Right. 
And now that they weren't, you know, you got to think, take that out of the equation. They're not getting, they're not getting that. And I don't want to go through every part of this article because it, it is a very, very long article. Our mental, our kids' mental health is suffering and America's schools aren't ready to help. Most Americans, 87% are concerned about mental health status of young people with two and three parents saying they're extremely or very worried according to a Harris poll. Sorry, guys. Um, to be released Thursday, yet less than a quarter of Americans feel their state legislators, government, or congressional representatives are doing enough about the crisis. And I don't feel that enough's being done about it in the right way. I mean, they definitely don't have a problem putting out funding or counselors in schools and things like that, but I think they're going the wrong way. The crisis isn't new. In 2019, one in three high schoolers reported persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness, a 40% increase from 2009. About 7.7 million young people in the U.S. experience a mental health condition annually. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 24. But the problem appears to have worsened with, with the pandemic, which for many children exacerbated or introduced new traumas. From 2009 to 2020, the rate of mental, mental health-related emergency department visits increased by 24% for children ages 5 to 11 and 31% for adolescents age 12 to 15. So again, I get that side of the pandemic, but think about that because these, you, you talk about the young ages, 24% increase from ages five to 11. These are kids that, and I love that it's almost perfect how they set this up and 31% for adolescents age 12 to 15. These are the ages where these kids are stuck at home and they can't leave and they don't have a car. They don't have a driver's license. They can't escape their daily hellhole. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that may be a part of this. Their big break was that escape to go to school and was that escape from their, their household that could have been toxic. And now they're seeing the emergency room visits go up for these kids. Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. It's very interesting if you think about it. Yeah, this, this is something that we warned them about when this all started, if you remember, um, we tried to, we tried to legitimately have these conversations with our, our people that we put in charge for this reason, because we knew it was going to affect the economy. We knew it was going to affect people's mental health. We knew it was going to affect our kids. We knew these things. And we said, wait, 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 you guys are wanting to lock down people and keep them out of school potentially one place of refuge away from their problems. Um, you're going to keep them away from developing social skills. You're going to keep them away from developing um, all their other skills with their peers as a group, as a collective. And you're going to take that much needed social interaction away from a child who needs that to develop those specific parts of their brain to learn emotional intelligence, among other things. And you're not foreseeing any issues with this. And they said, nah, we're going to do it anyway. So, of course. Right. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> and it's, and it's almost funny. They just, they ignored all this. Um, 
And it makes you it makes you wonder how many people, and this, this is going to be something I have to do some research in. How many people did we lose to say, you know, um, alcohol consumption, suicides, um, accidentally ODing, just trying to cope with depression during the pandemic? Um, and you know, even alcohol, alcohol is a terrible drug. Look at the one of the worst withdrawals that you can have is from alcohol. And I'm sure you've seen alcohol withdrawals before. And I'm sure some of our some of our listeners and viewers have seen people withdraw from alcohol. And yet it's it's on every billboard and every poster in, in every town and every county and every city and every state. And it's one of the worst drugs that you can get into. It destroys lives. And, and we're selling that. Right. And I mean, you guys know me. I'm a big partaker in that. Um, I, you know, I've never had any any withdrawals from alcohol. I mean, but I guess I, I take breaks periodically. Maybe that's why. But I'm not like that all day drunk guy either. So maybe that's why. Um, I don't experience that people who have a legitimate problem with it. I don't, I don't classify like your personal situation as, as a problem. I think that, I think that maybe, I think you said something about it being a problem for you because it was getting in the way of other things, which is responsible. The person who truly has a problem is rather irresponsible and is that all day drunk person who's drinking like, you know, like a, a, a 30, 30 case, you know, every day that's that's a problem those are the people who have those horrible withdrawals and and oftentimes you know that's that's the most dangerous part is going through alcohol withdrawals because that alone can kill you right no and yeah no you're 100 percent right and i um i haven't experienced that and i'm definitely not that 30 pack guy uh no 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 but i've worked with those guys and i've seen how they are um one of my one of my really good friends was a, a very bad problem alcoholic in uh he, he couldn't function. He was that guy that had to wake up in the morning, crack open a beer and do his thing. Um, like straight to the fridge, crack a beer is like, you know, is brushing his teeth with a, with a Budweiser type guy. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I couldn't do that. I don't know how he does it, but, uh, to, to keep moving into this, um, nearly one in three parents say their children's mental health is worse now than it was before the pandemic. Uh, and, and this is like the part I wanted to get into with this and this, you could t- interpret this however you want. Student to mental health professional ratios are astonishing, astonishingly bad across the U.S. One role school plays in early intervention. Half of mental illness presents itself before age 14. So I get one role that the school plays is early intervention, stepping in and getting into that. The problem is, is the schools don't know how to hand it, handle it. And they just kind of, if if your kid's difficult and they're too hard to handle, they basically just ship them off to the counselor's office, figure out where they need to go. And then if you as a parent aren't getting on board with what the school wants, then you have child services step in. And this could be a very big mess for people. And that's where a lot of people get scared and they don't know what to do at that point. Do I just go along with what these people are saying? Do I ignore it? Do I, you know, child services is threatening me. Do I give the kid these pills? What what do I do? Um, and that's usually at the point where I run in and, and I, uh, you know, help other parents out is, that's the point where they're at. They're at that point where I'm having all these issues. I don't know what to do. Nobody wants to help. They just want to do all this crazy shit. Now child services is involved. Um, and it sucks. That's when, you know, that sucks when I come into these people's lives. Usually one role school plays in an early intervention. Yeah. We read that part. The earlier you, you intervene with effective treatment outcomes, the lower the cost and the greater the opportunity for a life well lived, um, said Angela Kimball. Um, yes, I agree with that. If you address it early and you and you fix the problems early on, you you can. Problem with 
with my situation with my son is they wanted to heavily medicate him at the age of five years old. And to me, it's like, you can't call this a disorder yet because he's really too young to diagnose with anything. You, you could call it ADD. You could call it this, but it's at that age, it's like, he doesn't have enough school experience to sit down and want to learn. He's just being a kid. He's being goofy. He's jumping around. He doesn't want to listen. He's a five-year-old. Right. Um, I can't call this mental, but they forced our hand and made us get him on some, some pretty harsh medications and his mother pigeoned this and, and put me, pushed us into this. And I didn't know any better. I was young. I was dumb. I had no idea. Um, if I would have known now what I, if I would have known then what I know now, hell no, that would have never happened. Um, that was the bad on my part. You know, you don't know these things. No one's there to really help you with these. Um, so to get into this, they're saying access school-based social workers is even worse. No state meet, meets, let alone extends the recommended ratio of one school worker for every 250 students. So we know that there needs to be, I guess, more help within the schools, but who actually thinks these things up? But I mean, again, when schools are getting their money, when they're getting their charters out there and they're getting their funding, are they expecting to have more mental health issues within the school? I mean, if mental health issues keep arising, the schools are potentially going to keep being understaffed in this realm, right? Jake, what are your I, thoughts on that? I, I have to look at, I got to look at both sides of that because it's, I mean, it's, it's easy for us to put ourselves in, in the, in the minds of a parent because we are parents, but it's harder to put ourselves in the mindset of the teacher and understanding that nowadays how difficult it is for, for a teacher to say anything about anyone's kid and potentially look at a lawsuit for any reason under the sun. And, and that would be a scary thought as a teacher to be like, oh, no, I've got to discipline this kid and I can't say anything to him. All we can do is just sit them in a chair in the room and, and give them literally a timeout. We can't we can't yell at them. We can't we, we can't you know, uh, we can't grab them by the arm and, and take them to the office. They have to walk by themselves. And, and with some of these people, they'll call their parents and then they're going to want to be so happy. It's like, what what do we do? What else, what other choice do we have? Right. But that that's the thing. And and it's almost like the system is designed to where if you don't abide by it, if you don't do exactly what you say, you're in a ton of trouble. And I'm, I'm watching yeah. so many people's hands be forced into meds and forced in these situations. I've been trying to get my son transferred for a very long time into a facility that's closer to home. I've been working on this since May or June. OK. And here we are rolling into December and they it's, it's a new excuse every meeting we have. but right now currently in the state i'm in there are no available beds at any of these facilities there's not and that's like one of the big holdups they've been waiting for openings i mean it's also them dragging their ass and not potentially doing their job and being neg negligent to an extent but i understand that there's every place that we've reached out to there's a waiting list there are no beds available a lot of these places are at maximum capacity if not very close to it and it's really got me concerned with how bad things are really getting and what are we not seeing? What's not being reported? Where is this coming from? Um, and I, I got to tell you, it's scary enough knowing that everything's at max capacity. Yeah, it, it really is, man, because that's telling me that it's so much worse than what we know, because that's not being reported in the mainstream media that these that these facilities are at maximum capacity. Um, the, the facility where my son's at, he is. um 
it's 24 person capacity, 24 people. That's it. That's the max amount of people that they could have there. Okay. He said right now there's 12 kids per each unit, including himself. So they are maxed. When I talked to the uh, social worker there today, I was really, I was really shitty with these people. And I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm just really distraught with the situation. I was like, I, I said, I'm at my wits end with this. I want him transferred. And I feel like you guys are keeping him there just as a money grab. And they said, you know, Mr. Jester, look, that's not the way it is. They said, um, we have a waiting list of kids waiting to get in here. Like if, if he would leave tomorrow, we would have somebody to fill a spot. We're so backed up on referrals. We can't even get to him. So, so he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place anyway, because if, right. if like you take him out for like review or whatever, just to see if he's adjusted, they're going to fill that spot like that. And if, if it doesn't work out, like, where are you going to go? Right. That's the thing, getting him back in. And I mean, he's, he's about to be 17. And I mean, I like the moment he's 18, I want him home because it's kind of on the level at that point of, you know, you're home now, you're an adult, you're free to make your own decisions. I have no involvement with this. You're on your own if something goes wrong, but I still want to be here to make sure you're being taken care of. I kind of still, I mean, just because you're 18 doesn't mean you don't need guidance anymore. So whoever thinks that is is full of shit. I know when I was in my 18 or 18s and 20s and so on and so forth, I still went to my parents for guidance. That Heck doesn't, yeah, I was stupid until I was like 26. I did all <laughs> kinds of stupid stuff. Yeah, so you still need that guidance. So I still want him in close proximity. But it's the idea if when he's 18, if things get really, really bad, I could say, dude, there's the door. You got to go your own way. Uh, if things are that bad, I can't do that while he's a child. And being that he needs this constant 24 hour care, I, I cannot provide that. I can't monitor him 24 seven. My wife can't. It's um, it's very difficult. Um. But this this goes on to talk about, you know, the, the school system and, and how a lot of people feel like the, the world's against them in this situation. And it is. It's very difficult. There's not enough help for these instances. There's not enough help for these scenarios. And then they really and I'm not reading any of this, but I'm telling you what, th this is going to be probably something that they're going to push really hard soon is um, a lot of this goes into talking about the new new unique challenges with the LBGTQ community. And, and how these are affecting um, the youth, which, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's kind of bullshit because um, this is more widely accepted now than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? There's definitely more support yeah. for people in the LGBTQ community. There 100 percent is. Sure. So, I mean, but I get I get there is a factor in this because you're getting people that are becoming offended for no reason. Um, yes. You know, yeah, exactly. They're they're catered to. Uh, these are my pronouns. This is how I pref prefer to be identified. And if they're not getting what they need, and if they're not feeling special, if they're not being identified properly, properly, they're putting this on a mental health thing, of mental distress, things like that. And um, one of the biggest things, guys, and I, I will go down this road of this. One of the biggest issues we see within the LBG community, according to this ad, um, are suicides. So. We need to do a lot more crisis support for the young community in the LBGDQ community. That is something that definitely needs, there definitely needs to be help there. Um, we, we can't have children committing suicide potentially because their peers don't understand them and they're in, they're not in a healthy environment. I mean, that's not the fault of the child. That's a fault on us as society for not doing a good enough job, in my opinion. I can agree on that. 
Um, but that that's it, guys. I mean, that's that's where we're sitting right now. We went through some stuff a little f- quicker than I wanted to. Uh, so we're going to go ahead, guys. We're going to allow some call-ins. Um, and we haven't did call-ins in this fashion yet, so I don't know if – if um, I don't even know if I'll be able to hear them. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Let's see what happens. You might be able to get the call-ins. You might be able to. And I know we did have call- – it's going to work fine. Yeah, let's – yeah, right? <laughs> I hope it does, man. Um, yeah, but call-ins are open. We got Vettech and Prep. Let's see how this goes. Hi, Vettech. Are you with us? I don't hear Vettech at all. Right. Because I don't either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now I got you, Vet Tech. How are you? You do have any? Well, we did have Vet Tech. Yeah, well, yeah, you do. You're just kind of in and out, but you're here. I can totally see. Yeah, it's working. Oh, that might be Vet Tech's connection. I think that's what it is. Because yeah, I, that's yeah, that's I could connection. see. Uh, yeah, Vet Tech, you might want to switch your connections there. Yeah, Vettech's in and out. We're gonna we're gonna mute Vettech till uh, she figures out. Yeah, she's cutting in and out. Yeah, that's what we were getting to on our end. We were getting cutting in, cutting in and out. And I know Karate Jane tried to call in earlier. Karate Jane, you're welcome to call in now. Scooter says, "Told you, thank you, Scooter." Scooter helped me get the last minute details with this thing figured out. Um, and we found out all we had to do was push a button that we didn't know about. Easy enough. Right? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was one button on the mixer to to get it fed back in here. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Uh, Shelby. I think me? Shelby's with us. Shelby, are you with us? Yes, Shelby, we got you. How are you doing today? Oh. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? I am good. so happy this, this is working. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I like it. Oh, my God. It's so great. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to contribute something about adolescence and I was, um, I don't know if a lot of y'all know that I'm bipolar, um, but now everyone is going to know. So, but, um, I was, I wasn't diagnosed until I was after I was married, after I had my children. Um, but and when I was younger, I was the partier, let's go drinking, let's go, you know, I self-medicated mostly on prescription drugs. I never done anything, you know, as far as meth or anything. Now, I did smoke weed and all that, but I didn't do anything hard. Um, I know it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um. And it took, I mean, a lot of people like Jester, he, he, you know, he thinks my husband is the greatest guy in the world, which he is. It took us getting together for me to realize that I was doing wrong. You know, he, at his request, you know, he couldn't deal with me in certain points of our marriage. And I thought, you know, I always had to be right, you know. I never thought I had a problem um, mentally or in any other area. Um, But 
in but by younger it does you have that stigmatism of being the problem child you know when you have a mental issue my sister never had any kind of issue whatsoever but i was the problem child you know nobody could get along with me or anything so you were the you were the black sheep of the family then yeah and i still am I feel you your feel pain. Like that's because they, they didn't quite understand how to handle what you were dealing with or understand it at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know then, you know, that wasn't. And I don't have the the mania part. I I have the severe, severe depression part of it. I, you know, I just there's days I don't even want to get out of bed. You know, and it was like that when I was younger. I I understand the getting out of the bed thing. Um, I t- Shelby, I'm sorry that you went through that. I'm sorry you're the black sheep because I also identify as that as well. Um, and I know how bad family can suck. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Sorry, guys, I'm over here playing with buttons, trying to adjust my volumes and stuff. Um, but no, Shelby, being that you went through what you were going through, what would you suggest? Do you think there's a better way we could help the youth and help the young ones? There, there, yes, there's got to be. I mean, it's there. This is no longer an insurance issue. It's got to, there's got to be something that we can do to help the youth. Because like, you know, like me that did not know what was going on, you know, as far as you, you knew there was something wrong, but as to what you, you don't know. You know, I, I gotta say this. I mean, it's definitely people have been too silent about it for too long. Um, and I understand the HIPAA act and I understand that these are conversations that are not easy to have. But not having these conversations is not doing a damn bit of good. It's not. And I mean, I talk to people a lot about the situation and um, it's always the same thing. We don't know where to go. There's not there's not resources available for this either that are outside of the government, that, that are outside of the school system, that are outside of child services. You know, I, and I, I'm not saying the answer would be like private groups within a community but something's got to be better than the systems that we have now because it, it's bring these kids in, build the shit out of the insurance, keep them in there, keep them lifelong patients, and never let them go. Right. That's what we do out here anyway. I mean, we we have people who, you know, have knee pain, and then instead of instead of rehabbing the issue or trying to rehab the issue, we medicate it until it gets worse, and then we cut it out and replace it. We do the same thing with mental health too. Right. But it's, yeah, it's costly. And I think the way that I think about it, at least in my mind, is that it has to happen on an individual level, not a group level. You can't, you can't blanket statement, you know, things like, like bipolar and, and, and just depression in general. You can't be like, oh, they're just super sad. Like that's, it's, no, you have to understand the individual on the individual level if you want to make any headway at all. These are, these are individual cases 
that, that need to be solved. These are, these are people with their lives that you're dealing with and they want to know what's going on too, especially when they have no clue what's wrong with them, but they just feel wrong. Right. And I'm going back through here. Some of the chats here in the comments. I'm sorry. So what if I look, that's, that's the thing too, is, is a lot of the people that you speak of today have gone through something. Um, some people come out of this, some people don't, some people seem extremely happy and they're on cloud nine and they're not talking about the demons that are going on. And I think part of this is it's at least for a male standpoint, and, and maybe it's the same way for a female, but it's a masculinity thing. You don't talk about your feelings because you don't want to be called a pussy. You don't want to be called a bitch. Like, so if you're a guy, you're taught, no, I have to be hard. I have to be tough. Let me bury this down inside and not share how I'm feeling. And then you never get the help that you need. Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. That's true But you're right, you're right. They, uh, there's always that toughen up, suck it up, you know, uh, dust yourself off and get moving. We got work to do sort of deal. It's like, that's, that, that was one of the things, you know, I, I, I grew up a little more old school, um, in that sense. And there were times where I, I wanted, um, comfort over discipline and that didn't happen. You know, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, like depressive i'm i don't i'm not bipolar i'm not any of these any of these things and i'll never pretend like i understand them but even even that little little dose of that it's like well there were there were definitely times where i didn't want to be in, in trouble for things i wanted to be comforted instead of yelled at for how i felt um and not disciplined because i thought something and i was incorrect like explain it to me explain it to me in a proper way and help me understand why I thought what I thought and why I was wrong. Don't yell at me for it. it that's that's going to have an even worse effect. And, and in fact, a negative one. Um, explain it to me. You know, uh, talk, sit me down, talk to me. Be like, hey, look, here's why here's why this was wrong. Here's, here's what this is about. Here's what this means. Here's what this is. Not like, hey, you're grounded. That was dumb. That was a dumb thing you said. That was a dumb thing you did. You're grounded. Blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't that doesn't always solve the problem. But sometimes it does. Yeah, in my house, it was, let's beat you until you're over it type situation, you know. So that didn't help the situation any at all. Well, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, and Chubb, I, I agree with you. I mean, abuse does not help the mental side of things. Um, if that, it definitely does not. I mean, I, and I mean, abusive households do create some mental issues, right? Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely not helping. And again, I'm sorry um, that you went through that as well. And I mean, guys, we have we have about ten more minutes left of the show before we call it. And I got to tell you what, guys, uh, I'm all ears. If if you guys can think of things that might help shed more light on this, if you guys could think of something a little bit more strategic than what we got going on right now, I mean, obviously, individually, we can't go out there and save the world. Um, we, we, we can't, however, 
banding together and at least bringing and shedding some light to the problem or maybe getting the right people in place where they need to be to to kind of get the situation addressed to get some light on it to get it talked about to get it out there a little bit more would be very i think would be very very beneficial um and i really don't know where that starts um from what i've seen over the years it it's been you know taking a step back calming down and going down the right roads and finding the right people to talk to and getting the good information and that's the problem you just they don't have that available they don't and it comes down to affordability and stuff but also i mean let's not undercut you know, I, I I agree we can't save the world, but um, I I would say we've done a pretty good job at blending all of our communities together and making our own little community that seems to be pretty freaking supportive, even though we we wouldn't be able to help with diagnosing things because we're you know we're we're not trained, we're not certified, we don't have the education for that, but we're friends and we talk about things and and I think that we can do that in this community and. For some of us, we do. Um, and if you've got your friends in this little circle of our community, utilize that if it helps you. Absolutely. Talk to somebody. Reach out to somebody you trust. You should. And in that way, even though we don't change the world with our actions, we change our little world, and that spirals out to everyone else's world eventually. Right. That's what I was going to say. You know, Find someone that you can trust and talk to them. Um, that would be the first thing. That's the first thing when I started to get help was to, you know, they found me somebody to talk to. It all starts with talking. You know, you, communication is key. And it then, is. you know, we yeah. went from there. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you, too. And, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's where this does need to start. We got Al calling in as well. Oh, wow. All right. Hello, Jess. I sent it to him. What's up, Al? How you doing, man? Welcome hey, here. listen, buddy. Listen, I just want to say one thing, and I'll get off here, because I know there's a lot of people out there listening, and everybody wants to get in. And I don't call in that often, but I feel like I'm kind of uniquely able to talk about the prison side of this, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Society is not willing to spend the money to work on on kids and young people when it comes to mental health problems but they're more than willing to throw money at it when it comes to the prison side of it and a lot of these people fall through the cracks and end up in the prison system so here's the smart way to think about it and i want everybody to think about this just a minute everybody says lock people up and this that and the other the same money that's used to lock people up half of that money could be used in society to be able to help people with mental health problems before they ever fall through the crack and end up because that's where a lot of people with mental health problems do they end up in the prison system why spend the money on the back end when you could spend it on the front end and save society a lot of problems and also help people so they don't have to go to prison and spend 20 years i i can i can honestly tell you that i saw so many people that fell through the cracks and so many people that would never have ended up in the prison system if they had not, well, if they'd gotten help when they were younger. Let's put it that way. I, I get, I get what I was saying. I totally understand. But I think if you if you spend the money on the front end and not the back end, you're not creating jobs. You're well, that's true. They funding, you know. So that that's what it is. Probably they probably know that, and that's why they're not doing it. Right. I, and you know what? That's the shame right there. That's the reason why I had to get out of that system. 
because I got to where it was a conflict in what goes on in my mind. I, I couldn't continue to feed a beast that I didn't agree with, and, and I agree with you on that 100%. It's jobs, money, people's careers, uh, financing, government programs. All this ties into this, but it all gets back to, to kids suffering. There's no reason for kids to suffer. Uh, I mean... Listen, I've got I've got mental health problems myself. I don't mind to say it. I have anger issues. Uh, luckily, I was able to control those. But what if I hadn't? I mean, I might not have been working in prison. I might have been in prison. And that was kind of, at 18, that was kind of my choice. Either go to work there or probably end up there. So, yeah. Um, but I feel for your situation. If there's anything I could ever do to help, I would certainly do it. And, and I wish we had the answers. I, I would love to because I saw a lot of people that were sick that weren't necessarily criminals they were sick and they ended up there and some of the people that ended up in that prison setting it was it's so disheartening to see people that ended up there they might have committed a crime but you look at the person and they were just a shell of a human being and that's because the system failed them but other than that that's just my take on it well yeah i appreciate it thank you very much uh for calling it and guys i, I want to let you know we're getting ready to wrap up here real soon but I've been meaning to do this topic for about three weeks now, and it's it's been getting put off, and we've been having issues or, or whatever else. So finally, we got to cover this, and a lot of the things I've said on on here tonight, guys, I've been beating up this topic for a year. Um, it's constantly brought up on the show. It's constantly talked about, and I mean, for me, it's it's I've been looking for answers in the scenario to try to figure out where these problems stem, where they're coming from. Um, this is definitely something we're going to talk again talk again about or talk about again it's it's definitely going to be something but um jake final thoughts before we get out of here man um i think if we're wise i think we could find uh, a few billion laying around that we're, we're sending elsewhere that we could totally use and absorb it into that system to help out but maybe that's just maybe i'm wrong i don't know no i don't know what where, where do you think that that's going where uh where do you think we could find that at somebody's got some very durable pants because somebody's pockets are full. Right. And uh, where they're at, it says their depression rate is uh, 6.3%, number one in the world. Huh. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> huh. Anyway, guys, listen, uh, just for the record, before we get out of here, man, just remember the suicide hotlines are always available. I'm going to put the number up here for you guys real quick. It's 1-800-273-TALK, or you can 988, and you can text them. Um, if you or someone you know is having a problem, we're going to be shedding some more life on uh, more light on the mental health stuff in the future. But tonight, it's it's um, I've got everything out there I wanted to say. I've really been wanting to cover this for two weeks, mainly for the idea of the youth and how I just feel like they're being lost in the system. So I hope somebody out there that listens to this or you guys in here in the live tonight are, are getting the gravity of how big this situation is. And maybe it could start being talked about and maybe we could help our youth more. And, and like how Al said, help them on the front end. So they're not ending up in prison on the back end. Um, and that's it, man. Jake, anything else or, or are we out of here? I mean, I'm good, man. It, it's a, it's a needed topic. There, there are needed conversations. And I think we need to have, have those conversations and not be afraid to have them. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about the, uh, well, not not sensational things. We need we need to not be afraid to talk about the important things and talk about them logically without without the arguing and without the debating that we see all the time. We need to start we need to start getting more uh, 
we need to start breaking away from from the sensationalism of everything and we need to bring it back to well let's be people again and let's treat each other like people and and have conversations like people again it's important is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.